I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, welcome to the Vice UK podcast. I'm Sam Wolfson. I'm joined by Tess, who's become our de facto Labour correspondent. You spent a lot of time with Labour activists over the last few months. And it's basically because the party is seemingly constantly in the midst of a leadership election. There's another one going on at the moment. Ballot papers have been sent out. And you've been talking to activists about kind of just a feeling of unease, right? About abuse and discomfort as there's these ongoing power struggles. Yeah, that's it, exactly. Just like people who used to feel like they belonged in the party. Like, it's like having a football team, you know? Like, you really, you're with them for life. And they put a lot of time into it and a lot of energy. And now they're thinking, like, they're getting so much abuse online, like abuse at meetings and things. They're like, maybe this isn't for me. So I spoke to three guys, Elliot, Simon and Martin, to find out what they think. Well, that's coming up later. And we're also going to be speaking to Benjamin Butterworth, who's the head of Young Labour in London. But before that, let's talk about some of the week's stories with Joe Bish and Gavin Haynes. Fish, what have you been doing for your job this week? Uh, fat load nothing as per usual. Um, still, still siphoning money out of Shane Smith's pockets <laughs> with a big straw. <laughs> I've been writing an article about the obsession people have watching other people eat. It's funny that you write that because you don't like it when I eat at my lunch. In yeah, front but of you, you eat literally like a fucking pig who's had its jaw shot off. Like it's go, it goes everywhere. <laughs> you make so many slapping sounds. Sound like I'm in a fucking nursery. That's not enough for you. You want to look at other people eat. Well, I watch other people who eat disgusting online as well, but it's different. I mean, there's a guy called Joey's World Tour. His name is Joey Hernandez. He's think, I think he's from San Francisco, and um, he has a YouTube channel where he eats fast food reviews fast food so he gets he goes to like jack in the box or carl's jr or kfc or subway or whatever whatever these you know like 100 million chains of fast food places in america there are Mm. and he buys like whatever the new thing is like uh doritos flavored fucking bread or whatever like right and just eats it but he eats it in such a phenomenally disgusting way just like slaps slaps the food around his mouth you can see like a flick of it when he opens his mouth and chews and you can hear it and he sort of breathes really heavily because he's quite obese as well. So he's just sort of like, sort of eating like that. And it's just really gross. Right. But he's had a spike of about 40,000 subscribers since the beginning of this year. Wow. And he's kind of become like a meme in a way. All the people who comment on his videos are saying like, Joey, I want you to fucking 
fuck me with a donut and stuff like that and it's just like really pure oil like gross stuff are you into it do you like yeah i watch it? a lot of people eat a lot i follow a lot of youtube accounts of people either speed eating a challenge wise or uh just reviewing food it's really disgusting but it's just endlessly watchable and i feel like you know like in the same way that people watch master chef and that guy greg and he eats like a cunt as well and he's just like you know like sucking the stuff off the spoon and just like it's just ugh, it's just horrible but you can't get enough of it. So what's your problem with me and the way I eat my lunch? How isn't that any different? Surely that's because exactly you know, what you're like, looking for. I was, I was thinking about doing something uh, a while ago, which is filming myself eat and then w- filming myself watching myself eat and then putting that on YouTube or something. Sheer LaBeouf, no thanks for coming Yeah, 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 it's a bit Sheer LaBeouf, <laughs> yeah. But I thought there's, there's something compelling about watching people eat because it is just really annoying. And hear it, the sound of people eating is just is enough to send you fucking loopy and want to jump off beachy head. Gav. Hi. <laughs> yeah. What have you been working on this week? Some <gasps> other way to insult me? <laughs> <laughs> well, narcissism, my friend, narcissism. Um, yeah, I've been making a Chosen Ones episode about how, uh, I guess you'd say it's about how um, narcissism replaced uh, psychopathy as our go-to kind of uh, pop psych uh, magic one that we can diagnose everyone from our, our moody ex to our needy mum to Kanye or even uh, Mr. Trump uh, I guess uh, it opens with uh, me. Wait, are you saying that these people aren't narcissists? That we just that choose to slap that label around? Um, yes, I'm saying we're getting very label happy in the 21st century. I'm saying we've got our big book of uh, pop psych and we're determined to create a category for every type of person there is and uh, narcissism seems to to fit with the with the world we live in and the sorts of you know objectionable things we want to to tag onto people so who have you been talking to about narcissism can you find people who will call themselves narcissists and chat to you ah well this is the paradox of narcissism of course <laughs> my friend you stumble upon it it is that uh, most narcissists are resistant to treatment you can't um, you can't actually put them in therapy because they'll just go yes, yes, yes and tie the therapist in knots and then uh, leave with a smile on their face. Do you think that we are becoming increasingly attracted to that kind of narcissistic character, particularly like all of mm. TV seems to be the lead character as a narcissist that you kind of love to hate to love. Certainly yeah. the kind of Don Draper model is increasingly popular you you sort of have the going there with this thesis that like we are creating narcissists a narcissistic generation but um if you look at the stats and, and the evidence and sort of experty people they all say that um no 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 it is simply that culture has given these people a platform to manifest something that was already within them the, the base level of people who suffer from what is known as narcissistic personality disorder is constant it's just that nowadays they get reality the, shows yeah the tech and, and the technology is giving them the opportunity to become market leaders within social realms i guess later we're going to be talking about abuse in the labor party and things like that and Mm. that's kind of a similar story where there's always been abuse and people with angry views but they've been atomized in the past and now they have platforms to really let that abuse shine is that just the story of the internet am i making a very facile point (laughs) i think there is a there is a lot of stuff in the hearts of human beings that we have discovered over the past seven to ten years yeah not least that they're just really boring i feel like the internet's really highlighted the fact that most human beings don't have a lot to say and yet now have a platform to say not much or to eat food i mean that's what you're into watching people do almost nothing but i enjoy the real like hardcore center of banality whereas say not to attack you again but it's what's going to happen now so prepare for it whereas you enjoy things like 
X Factor and Britain's Got Talent, which I think is the most toxic form of um, promoting people with nothing to say. Or the thing I hate the most about Britain's Got Talent and the X Factor is the crowd interaction and the way when someone's on stage performing a song or doing their show with their dog jumping through a hoop at the on fire, mm. the camera pans to the crowd and the crowd are all going like, oh my God, I can't believe it. And they're, and they're all like nudging each other. And then it's like, it's trying to make you participate as a viewer by participating with the crowd. And it's like making everyone a celebrity in there. You know, the Huffington Post would be like, look at this woman reacting to this person on Britain's Got Talent and then the article will just be the video of her reacting to it right and then it will be tweets of people reacting to her reaction what being bothers like, you did about you that? just see thing what bothers me about it yeah because it's just it's completely pointless it doesn't, it's and meaningless it doesn't I know, I know you could say exactly the same thing about watching some cunt eat food in his car yeah but I don't know there's something about people's interaction with that that's different to me like the comments on his video are all like really weird and sexual it's like why people why people taking it upon themselves to make this fat guy eating stuff in his car weird and sexual and on the other hand you've got like an article by some content writer you know who has I to has to embed tweets into a thing I would watch a show that's just called Britain's Got Humans and it was just like different people <laughs> coming on and sort of existing for a while <laughs> and then there'd be some interaction and people would cheer or boo them like I just like seeing people but it isn't, but it isn't different people though it's, it's all the same sort of media trained type of person that, that appears on it and that's the difference it's like a while ago I wrote something on Vice which I work for by the way <laughs> for your job at Vice yeah for my job at Vice about how um, the contestants on game shows now are, are markedly different than they, than they were in the 90s if you watch Challenge TV and you watch Catchphrase and you watch all these shows you'll see that the contestants on the shows are, are timid and they're like oh I can't believe I'm on telly I better not fuck up or anything I'm, I'm just going to stay really quiet I'm going to be really proper I'm going to be really normal whereas now you watch something like um deal or no deal and everyone's they're all getting the crowd whooped up and they're like yeah. walking around like they're you know like everyone's they're James Corden basically. yeah exactly and that's what I hate about it it's like made everyone think that they're interesting when they're not and what I prefer is people who aren't interesting just being uninteresting well I will just finish on this point which is that last night while I was in, out enjoying and socialising with my friends you text me saying do you see that guy on Bake Off yeah so, uh... well, he looks like a colleague of ours <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> This week, we're talking about Labour. The Labour Party are about to have their second leadership election in a year. Ballot papers have gone out and people are choosing between Owen Smith and Jeremy Corbyn. Later, we'll be talking to the chair of Labour Youth London, Benjamin Butterworth, and Tess Reedy speaks to Labour activists to find out how the big political changes in the party are affecting their everyday lives. So my name's Tess Reedy and I write for Vice. I've done a lot of Labour stories lately. I used to do a bit of activism myself, so I've got a lot of friends from the party and they're people I always call up for the stories as well. These are people who basically love Tony Blair, most of them, and they were really into Blair. And then Ed Miliband came along and these are people who accepted that they have got to get behind Ed Miliband. And then suddenly having felt like they'd done a good job putting up with Ed Miliband, they've now stuck with Corbyn, who's like the absolute extreme far left in their eyes. These guys are struggling to go out on the doorstep and try and convince people to vote for Corbyn and his party when they fucking hate Corbyn themselves. 
So I spoke to three people from the Labour Party for this. Uh, the first is Martin Edebor. He's a young doctor and he's also chair of the Young Fabians. I think the environment is literally toxic. Yeah, people keep referring to it being a toxic environment and I think you can see why they're saying that because in the past you'd be turning up to Canvas or go to a meeting at your local party and generally it was a really friendly place like they are all generally agreeing on something and yeah they might disagree on small things but um, generally you're kind of working for the same goal and you're like you're supporting the same team now it's an environment apparently where there's a lot of abuse so like people have been referred to as vermin as dogs like people apparently leave meetings crying like what was once quite a nice hobby for people and just an interest and a way to meet people a way to kind of like have a whole social life if you want it has become this like really tense environment it's like being in a job where you hate it and everyone hates each other no one wants to be there but it's like these people are choosing to be there so i think it sits quite strange with them and then I also spoke to Simon Evans. He's part of the Reading Labour group and he does a lot of campaigning and he is what most people would call a Blairite. Well, I think if he wins, he's going to win very narrowly. And to them, so I've cut down uh, a lot of what I used to do, you know, compared to before the general election. I've sort of just been uh, campaigning for people or friends with, basically, you know. I'm just embarrassed at the moment, you know, to campaign for the party. Everyone seems to think anyone involved in politics can like can handle anything, especially politicians. They're seen as like you can put up with as much abuse as we want to give you. I felt for these people that they put a lot of time into the party for years and years and they give up their social lives and this is their life for some of them. And then now they're feeling like they don't belong anymore. Like people have talked about, oh, maybe I should go and work for a charity. Like maybe I've wasted my time. Like I don't know what to do with my career anymore. My name's Ellie Bidgood. I've been a party member for about nine years. Currently, I've, I've just moved to Hackney South um, Constituency Labour Party. Um, if he does win, I don't really know. I think I, I, I'll probably I'll stay a member. I think I'll still vote Labour. But um, there have been members who have left, and that's been sort of one of the underreported stories. I think. People talk about bullying a lot to me and the problem is sometimes you take it with a pinch of salt because they're so against each other at the moment that you never really know who's telling the truth. Like, are they both as bad as each other? Or is one side quite bad and the other is just retaliating and saying, no, but you're awful too. Like, when it happens directly to that person and they show you tweets and they show you... A specific example but when it's like oh yeah I, I knew a girl who left crying and this happened you think perhaps it's all gossipy rumors but in terms of the worst bullying that people have talked about I think it's probably when they get called things like vermin and dogs because I don't think people ever signed up for that I don't think you ever thought people would be saying you're a traitor you're a Tory like you're an awful person I think it actually hits some of these people quite badly because for a lot of them, like they're giving up like a couple of evenings a week, like their weekends, like this is their life. And I think to then feel pushed out of it and to feel like you don't necessarily belong in something that you've always felt comfortable in, I think that's really difficult for them. So Bish and Gav are still here, but we're also joined by Benjamin Butterworth, who's the chair of London Young Labour. Ben, when you listen to that, 
there's a lot of uh, sort of almost he said she said type stuff a lot of reports of like infighting some reports of abuse you're obviously very involved in kind of labor grassroots and, and the labor movement generally is that been your experience I think things are seriously antagonised at the moment. I think there are a lot of people that are angry. You've got people who are angry because they've been in charge for years and they've put years of effort into it and now they're not in charge. And then you've got people who are angry who are new and feel like they've invested loads in this recently and have really thrown themselves into it and yet they're not yet in charge. So I think you do have two groups of people that are just quite annoyed at each other and they don't really look like they want to reconcile at the moment. Isn't politics always kind of bitchy like that yeah it's always quite bitchy uh there's plenty of that and it's been like that since i joined when i was 17 political parties attract people that like to be in power and then you get the the social politics of that affecting the rest of it um but it's just got more intense recently because the differences seem bigger and also you have what's changed is that people are no longer able to see it from the other side's point of view so it's just got a lot less reasonable the other thing is that twitter basically has changed the whole dynamics of it i think right how so when you don't know someone you've never met them and you see one bold statement that they put the reaction to that is so intense and then these things just seem to snowball constantly and you get the, the same thing in in sort of facebook groups that the party has internally like the london young labor one or the labor party forum these things that exist and people just get so angry at each other because it's so easy to do that to someone you've never met and i think that is distorting the entire internal debate I mean, you say there's a lot of abuse on Twitter and social media and stuff. I mean, can you show us some now? Have you, if yeah. you get out your phone, is there hate read readily available? Uh, yeah, I get a lot. So I screenshot lots of it. Here we are. One has just written, you fucking dickhead. Uh, just remember, this toxic little turd carries around a membership card with the word socialist printed on it. Uh, people make fun of my name a lot, but my name is Benjamin Butterworth, so that's probably fine. Oh, your, your name sounds like a brand of knockoff dollar store pancake topping. Um, <laughs> shut up, Benjamin Buttercunt. Um, I mean, is it better if it's a little more creative? Yeah, that's what I was <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the issue, really. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, I mean, just loads of it. I do screenshot it, so I've got hundreds in my phone right, to keep right. a track of. And are the police's uh, Twitter force uh, involved with your case right now? Do you have no. a docket number? No, no. I've, I've never had anything serious, just lots of insults. Um, but the thing is... Right. What would you class as serious? A, a death threat or something okay. like that. If I got right. one of those, I would, friends, I would take yeah. it ahead. But, I mean, I have had emails as well as, as, as tweets. And there is something a bit more menacing about an email because I have it in my Twitter bio for work stuff. And when someone actually takes the effort to do that, it, even though it's still in your phone, it does feel a lot more menacing that they've ventured sure. into a different part. What is the line? Because, obviously, to pick a random example, you know, like Steve Bell in The Guardian has been drawing... David Cameron as a condom full of cum for the past like 13 years is that abuse like what counts as abuse and what doesn't when you're in a sort of semi-public role if only the people on Twitter were as, as funny or as creative as, as Steve Bell it might be a, a lot more I feel like you're going to I think you're going to regret saying that uh, yeah maybe <laughs> I just think you know, you, you read stories all about about people who got Twitter insults and stuff. But actually, when it is in your phone and it is constant and you can't see your own friends' messages or responses to something you've written that you want to see what people thought of, when it gets to that stage, it's actually, you know, it's quite upsetting because you can't lead your normal life. You realise how reliant you are on your phone. And when your phone is, is full of abuse, it does feel like, you know, they've taken over your real world rather than just Twitter. I understand what you're saying. It's It's not nice when you're trying to go down the pub and your phone's pinging off every five minutes of someone telling you to eat shit and die um, no one likes that I certainly don't, I've had it before I've written things and people have 
gotten really upset about it. But the thing is, is that they're not actually upset. They're not really upset. Like, you know, no one's going to, like... If you do get a death threat, I think, like, the percentage of likelihood of it actually coming to fruition is probably very, very low. So, I, you know, I've been, like, threatened with, you know, I'm going to fucking kill you and blah, blah, blah. I just feel like, well... If that's how I've got to go, then that's how I'm going to go. You know, some lunatic coming and shooting me in the throat with a fucking shotgun. Um, Please stop. <laughs> yeah, but to make a serious point, I mean, that is literally how a Labour MP just died about a month ago. And so yeah, doesn't true. that create a more... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I would argue that the guy who perpetrated that crime isn't a sort of like Twitter communist with purple hair and a nose ring, which is, I imagine, a lot of the people that abuse... But that's yeah, quite hard to tell, isn't it? I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, it's hard to tell. But like, I mean, wh- I mean, what are you trying to say that like MPs getting abuse is now more loaded because one of them got shot? Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Well, well what, I mean, what, how are you supposed to live your life if you're going to take all that sort of thing seriously? I mean, that is a fair point, right? That every uh, it's not just in the Labour Party now, like across any area in which you are in any kind of public eye, big or small there's just a lot of abuse and it's way more if you're a woman and it's way more if you're from an ethnic minority and that is just life now and kind of everyone else has just had to suck it up and and get on with it and is that you know do you think that's fair that it's not just a Corbyn thing it's just a modern world thing yeah it's generally a mess and you know if you'd gone back a year actually it was the really really right-wing people that tended to do this online you know the sort of EDL fascist types that would send these messages However, the problem is there's an element of hypocrisy when it's someone that is preaching socialism and kind and gentle politics that's doing it. Then I, I think it's reasonable to say that you can't, you can't say one and behave in another way. The other thing is that, you know, I chair the London Youth Wing. So that's people between the ages of 14 and 26. Uh, and there is definitely cases, and it, it, it's more so uh, women, but there are definitely cases of people that see this abuse, even if it's not at them, and think, oh, I can't get involved in the Labour Party because it looks like quite a nasty place. In terms of the leadership election more widely, how much do you think people are voting on this kind of stuff, on issues of abuse and of infighting and that kind of stuff? Do you think that helps make up their mind when they're voting between Smith or Corbyn? I mean, do you think that, that kind of tactics, which has been the tactic of Angela Eagle beforehand and then Owen Smith to say, you know, the Labour Party is in disarray and I'm the person to sort it out, do you think that helps people vote? I mean, I resent the idea that it's a tactic. I think it's just a fact. It's kind of hard to avoid the fact that the Labour Party is in disarray. Everyone can see that. Uh, You might disagree on why it's in disarray, but it is. And on the bullying, I mean, you know, it's definitely there. People question why it's happening. I do think there are people who voted for Corbyn last year because, you know, they are, you know, those are their values, they're ideologically left wing. But actually, they've realised that it's never going to get delivered. And the culture has changed so much inside that they sort of don't feel that they can go out and campaign for that party in the same way so because they feel rejected and maybe bullied or another word like that inside they're less likely to go out and campaign to people that haven't yet decided to vote Labour. Bish you're I would say highly uninvolved in (laughs) Labour Party politics but you also work at a news media organisation and so are faintly aware of all this going on. Yeah only through (coughs) people trying to bore me to death with their uh, very educated opinions on everything that they seem to know about. Yeah, so I feel a bit at the moment like I'm surrounded now by people who are suddenly a member of the Labour Party. Right. Um, which I don't really understand how that's sort of just like... 
It's like I've woken up and everyone's a, a Labour Party member now. It just seems quite endlessly just... I, don't, I, I, can't, I can't even muster the words to describe it. I just don't even know what I think about it. And not to sound worthy, but like, you know, so much other stuff that is like actually really horrendous that is happening, like people dying because they can't eat, disabled kids not getting support and all that stuff. And then you've got like all this... And again, like I'm not one of those like worthy guys. Is like guys, you just gotta like really look at the the actual bigger picture here. Like I don't want to be that guy. And I'm not that guy. But when I see all this stuff about just people arguing about this guy's personality and his like clothes and shit, I'm just like, what, what is this going on? Um, you're supporting Owen Smith in the leadership election. If he wins, what then? Hopefully, a bit of stability. Uh, hopefully, we'll stop arguing about other Labour Party members or MPs and talking to the country, or maybe even Theresa May, that might be quite helpful to, to try and stop her doing some of the stuff she's doing. Uh, and then hopefully you'll be able to regroup. And and Momentum and the Corbyn people, they'll just what, fall quietly away? I mean, it's up to them, right? But, you know, it's worth saying that the other version of Momentum is Progress. That's the, the moderate version of them. And they invited Jeremy to be the guest speaker at their annual conference. So I would hope that momentum in those people would be you know their labor rather than jeremy corbyn i should hope so that they'd you know carry on campaigning for those values because the thing is there isn't one socialist in the labor party jeremy isn't the only one there's you know there's half a million of us mm. gav do you buy that that they'll start all the momentum guys will start showing <laughs> no. up at progress events and just, uh... <laughs> oh yeah yeah that will just have a barbie um well I, I don't know there are essentially two labor parties now aren't there and um one of them can survive potentially uh, without the infrastructure of the Labour Party and the other one would wither away. You know, I just don't think there's an appetite in the country for the sorts of things that uh, Jeremy Corbyn's people and momentum are pushing. But if, if Smith did manage to, to win this one, then the game could continue in some sense. But obviously blood all over the carpets blood everywhere just blood and what about the other way what do you think if corbyn wins one thing that we haven't really spoken about and is a complicated issue that maybe turns people off even more than this infighting is deselection but because of the way seats have been redrawn it basically means that were corbyn to lead the labor party into the next general election he would in all likelihood be able to choose a lot of the MPs who ran for Labour in various parts of the country and change the makeup of the Labour Party to some extent. That seems increasingly likely, doesn't it? This debate's been obscured a bit because, of course, they only got there because party members voted for them and then the wider electorate voted for them. And also, it's, you know, any leader of any politics probably right, learns Right, but this. constituency parties across the country, mostly more of them support Corbyn. They do, although lots of elections in the past year have shown that if Corbyn's name isn't on the ballot, then it doesn't follow the same left or right lines. Right, so they wouldn't necessarily know who are, who's a Corbyn Easter and who isn't. Yeah. Although I, that might become clearer once it matters. Yeah, I mean, you know, in the, my election I stood for, it was after Jeremy became leader, and, you know, it's in London, it's the youth wing, so in theory it's as Corbyn Easter as a part of the Labour Party gets. And the person I stood against had been heavily involved in Corbyn's leadership campaign, and that was what she said throughout her whole election, and she lost really badly. So I do think it's, it's not as simple as that. I do think party members see things in a broader sense. They choose a candidate you know, on the candidate. And also, if Jeremy weren't on the ballot and there were another person of Jeremy's politics on the ballot, that person ne wouldn't necessarily do nearly as well as Jeremy has for leader. I do think it's very much a, a Corbyn phenomenon of the man himself. Benjamin, thanks very much for joining us. Gav, Joe, thanks for being here. Thank you.
we'll uh, do this again next week. That was the Vice UK podcast, produced by Sam Bonham at Rethink Audio. I'm Sam Wolfson. See you later. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.